Hello and welcome to Stringer Podcast number 11. You know what that means. Get your Eggo waffles, your four best friends, a handful of Christmas lights, and prepare to fight the Demogorgon. That's right. Gareth Wheeler's on the podcast this week, and we definitely do talk Stranger Things Season 2. I'm sad that I finished it so quickly. Man, I love those guys. I just want some more. Gareth Wheeler, at WheelerTSN on Twitter, Gareth.Wheeler on Instagram. But before we get to that, it's time for another edition of the Stringer Big Weekend. Last week I was in Hawaii. Right now I'm actually in Columbus, Ohio. But for all the people who regularly listen from Toronto, I'll give you three Toronto dates because I'm only here for two nights. And hey, I need to know what to do in the city this weekend. Friday night, the Gentleman's Expo is in the city, 225 Front Street West. It's the Metro Toronto Convention Center. It looks pretty sick. You got tech, you got music, you got style, you got cars, grooming, whiskey, all the things that any fine upstanding gentlemen would be interested in. Get your tickets at gentlemensexpo.com. And that's funny because when you look at it, it kind of looks like gentlemensexpo.com. And I'm a child, but we all knew that, didn't we? Saturday, you guys remember Adam Savage? Who can forget? He's one of the most enigmatic. Is that the right word? Enigmatic. He's the one of the most exciting television personalities. He was on Mythbusters. He teams up with Michael Stevens on Saturday evening at 730 at the Sony Center for the Performing Arts to bring you Brain Candy Live. And listen to this description. It says it's like a two hour play date with Walt Disney, Willy Wonka, and Albert Einstein. As soon as I saw this, I race to get tickets because, honestly, Adam Savage is a funny, funny dude. And any chance you get to see him live, I would definitely suggest it that Saturday night. But Sunday, chill out a little bit. We've been running around so much. We've been all over the place Sunday. Just go to the Review Cinema. That's 400 Ronces Vale. The west end of the city. It's one of the oldest, Toronto's oldest uh, cinemas still in operation. And they're showing Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs because, you know what? Who doesn't like a good cartoon? I love them. I have such a collection of animated movies. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is one of them. And on Sunday, 1.30 p.m., I'm going to check it out. It's at the Review Cinema. My kind of thing. But now, without any more waiting... Actually, you know what? All jokes aside, we're going to get to Gareth Wheeler in a second, but there's very excited news that we didn't get to on the podcast. Um, Gareth has been battling cancer for, for as long as I've known him, and it's really picked up the last oh about a year and his treatment has gotten uh more intense and he found out and announced on twitter just about a week ago that he is uh no longer needing treatment which is extremely exciting uh and it makes me i love the guy to death he is such a positive force and positive energy in my life and in everyone's life so we we get into his health issues but know that as hard as it must be for him to talk about, exciting, extremely exciting news just came down. So everyone be sure to give him, you know, a digital hug on Twitter, as I said earlier, at WheelerTSN. But now, without any more waiting, I bring you episode 11 with Gareth Wheeler. But only one thing we got to get to first. You know what that is. Bring me my sacks. <laughs> You have to 
do with Phil. I develop Phil bad habits in radio. Phil. We can talk. We can actually discuss this. Can we really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I develop really bad habits. <clears throat> <laughs> What's different? Okay, I'll start. Have this we started? One. Yeah, we started. So this is the what, podcast. This is this is the pod. The podcast is just the talking part. But what what makes this different? Three different things that make this new for me. First, I've never done it in this room. We've always done it in the big room out there around the wood desk. Right. And so I've never done it in this room. I've never held the microphone. I'm always like uh, we have mic stands and we put on the mic stand and it's very robotic. So I've never done that. And also I've never been with the person all day. Right. Before we actually get to this part, the actual hour podcast part. But it's really cool of you. The fact that. You know, you just recorded the Come On You Reds podcast, spent an hour talking with Terry Dunfield, and you decide you could podcast talk Podcast day. First of all, I, I feel honored that I'm taking your office virginity. Podcast yeah. virginity. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear on that. Which is always a little bit weird. There was that show called Property Virgins. Yep. I remember like, Property Virgins. These people lived in houses before. Right. You know what I mean? It it's seems not like the a same. bad title. Yeah. I, I don't like... Uh, those weird mixes where you're like, hey, they're property virgins. There's always going to be this weird sexual spin to it right. that I'm not into at all. I'm right. like, you guys are overselling hard, especially on a fucking property, like housing show. I know a guy HGN. that was on that show and you know, really? this just in, he owned the place before he said yes to the place on the Ugh. show. Yeah, I'm Producer, pulling back the curtain. Producers at work. It's funny. I've, I've been in... Like I've made whatever TV. I've been in TV for 15 years. Been making documentaries for. You've uh, been in 15, 15. You don't look that old. No, I, uh, it's crazy for me to see it or to say it. It's crazy for me to see it when I look in the mirror. Uh, I can definitely see the crow's feet going on, on in, in the corners of the eyes here. But 15 years I've been in television. But still, when I watch someone else's documentary, if it's an hour long, I swear on my soul, they must have only captured an hour and 10 minutes of footage. Right. Like as even though I know that it's this big hunt and you capture right. like hundreds of hours and narrow it all down. I'm like, they're so good at what they do. I bet you they only had 10 minutes of extra. And it's way, it's way more work than people understand. It's way more. It's work. way more work. The people do it right. Make it look so easy that even myself, someone has been doing it. I'm like, yeah, they must have. They just right. planned everything out perfectly. Gareth Wheeler on the podcast. Woo-hoo. I am so excited for this because we've You're been lying. trying. You can't hear by the, the, the level of my voice. <laughs> I feel bad. I can't see the I can't see the levels on the recording here, but uh, I bet you they just went through the roof. We've been trying for weeks to try and set this up and and our schedules are weird and all over the place. But I'm so happy that today we got to do the Come On Your Reds podcast together. Well, I yep. say do. I just put on headphones and made sure it was recording. We went for breakfast. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lady Marmalade. Shout out to a little Best Leslie breakfast Villa. place in the city. Love it. Lines are going to fucking kill you, though. Yeah. Like, you don't know where it is and you live in Toronto. It's basically at Logan and Queen. Yeah. And if you want to do the little Gareth Wheeler tour of Toronto, my first <laughs> place that my wife and I ever lived in together is above the Starbucks. That's right on, on the, the other corner. corner. Yeah. Right on the east, northeast. Northeast. Uh, northeast yeah, yeah. Northeast corner. Yeah. How romantic. There you go. You know, at one time I brought, uh, my mom had friends coming from out of town and, and she asked me to drive them through the city. And so I got to put all my Toronto knowledge to use 
And I was like, you know, when Al Capone used to come to the city, this is the bar he went to. And I got to show him that. And I, I all these little tidbits that we gather, I got to give them the Clayton Hansler tour. But I think we need to open up a company and they can either sign up for yeah. the Clayton Hansler tour or the Gareth Wheeler tour. Right. I, I definitely go on the Clayton Hansler tour. Because but, it sounds because like you, you know, know the Gareth, stuff. You know the Gareth Wheeler tour. Well, I just, I just know the the places that I've been. Like other than that, just I'm lost. Have you always been an East Ender? Um, I, I, I've lived downtown, yeah. like right downtown. My first place was at, um, do you know at Richmond and Sherborne? Oh yeah. Like with the Tim Hortons? Yep. At least in the, there's a basketball court and yep. that was the first place I lived when I moved here, which I learned you wanted to walk south when darkness hit right. and not walk north. And not walk north. No. And then I lived at like Young and Carlton. Then I moved out east and I've lived yeah. out east. Young and Carlton, that's right. Right across from right gardens, downtown as well. Those big condos there. Ooh, I yeah. like those buildings. Yeah. It's interesting. It's first of all, it's interesting because we tried to do this before. When do you remember us first meeting? Because I can't put a a time or event in it. It's kind of like you've always been there. It's like a, a soft fade into you've my just life. Been that guy for as long as I can remember, who's been all over covering Toronto FC. So there's there's been there's been familiar faces over the years right. that you really don't know when you met or you connected, but you've been around for so long. And actually when you see some of these people around BMO field or whatever, and you still don't know your, their names, mm -hmm. that's when you feel awkward because you're beyond the point of no return where you can actually ask what their name actually is. That's why I love the security guards because they all have to wear name, name tags. tags. Yes. And so I'll, I'll give them a high five or a bro hug or whatever, come right in and I'm purposely looking at the name tag. I'm like, thanks Jamie. Right. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. Actually, Jamie's great. He's outside the <laughs> he, he's outside the player family area. I knew his name yeah. this whole time. Now so I know his name. Now it's now, yeah, it's now we know it's Jamie. But no, Jamie's the best. Security guards are the best. Right. But what? I don't know. I don't know what I don't know for how long or what that time was that I've known you. It's, no. It seemed like forever in a it's, good way. I feel like our friendship started to blossom around the Devang years. Yes, Devang, yes. who was on last or two weeks ago podcast, last week's podcast, right. See, I don't have a calendar in front of me, and so this all fucks me up. Yeah. Uh, Devang Desai, mutual friend, but he was like our connector piece. Mm. He was the glue that brought us together. Right. Did you did you grow up in Toronto? You did, didn't you? I grew up in Burlington. Oh, you grew up in Burlington. So, then I went to Western and lived in London for mm. uh, five years, and then basically moved right to Toronto. Western Mustangs? Yep. So they are? Yep. Ooh, uh, so I think I moved here in 2005, 2006. Amazing. And was it at Western? Did you take radio in Western? Uh, no, I took. Where'd you go? I say that I majored in soccer. I minored in partying. <laughs> and then I did the a little. The uh, academics were kind of yeah. down the list somewhere. Poli sci history were after that. Then I did journalism after that. But I did, um, I did get my start in radio on CHRW, the campus radio station. Hosting a, a sports show there. A sports show. And actually, uh, Dan Schulman and Elliot <laughs> Freeman had. Uh, being part of that radio station as well. Holy jump. There was a sports talk show called uh, From the Cheap Seats. And yeah, I, I, I kind of took over that at one point of my university career, which is really cool. So it was sports, which actually kind of surprises me because having even known you in the sports realm for this long, my first bet would still be like really rad unknown indie music right i you would you would be like that strombo nine o'clock sunday show where i know i'm not gonna recognize a single song but i'm probably gonna like at least a third of it right it's 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 kind of funny because i grew up being obsessed with sports playing soccer basketball 
at a very high level. And then over the years, it's so funny. I remember at journalism school at Western, this guy came in and I think he was like, he was a long-term columnist at one of the national newspapers. I forget. I'm not sure if it was the Globe or whatever, but he was saying how he started in his first 15 years in the industry. He was a sports columnist and then he got bored of sports and he ended up transitioning into just mainstream news. Mm -hmm. I forget what exact phase. And I remember thinking, sitting there that day thinking, you asshole, if you're at sports, why would you ever want to leave? This is the dream of all dreams. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you? You're not really a sports fan. Right. But when you work in the industry for a decade or longer, you kind of get it. You kind of realize how sports, you'll always love it. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be a part of your life, but it's good to branch out and have other interests and other passions that may lead you in different directions as well. And music is kind of one of my things, right? One of my other things. So although I haven't made that jump away from sports, Mm -hmm. I can kind of understand where that guy comes from now. So when we're at breakfast, you asked me, do you always want to do sports television? Yes. And I said, no. Did you then immediately think asshole? No. 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 Are you sure? Because now. You can be honest. This is a safe space, Gareth. No one's listening. It's just me and you. Because now I'm like, you, you are that asshole from like 12 years ago that was telling me that he'd do that. But now I completely get it. And the sports world there's always going to be a need for compelling content and storytelling, mm-hmm. things that you do so incredibly well. But those skills are obviously transferable over into other spheres as well. And it's never been important today, more important today for brands and businesses and individuals to be able to go out and tell your story in a proper way that's going to bring people in. I feel that it's a very small revolving door of stories that sports kind of accepts does that make sense and i hope mm-hmm. it's broadening its horizon but i always feel that i'm one of on one of five topics you know it's either you know the reclamation project or it's the i don't like i'll say this though i don't know if it needs to go much further than that and and i'll tell you why because at the end of the day there's there's certain things about sport that stand out more than anything else mm-hmm. it's competition mm-hmm. it's rooting for your team it's sense of community sense of belonging and it's about just the entire mono a mono, me versus you or my team versus you, that is compelling to me. And I don't care at what level. Now there's all the, the whole TMZ aspect to it. There, there's massive reaches. It's, it's about kind of selling an idea or a concept rather than letting the story, you know, play out by it by itself more organically so i think there's a there's a balance that the sports world right now is 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 trying to fit because they're trying to check once you go out and trying to to try to check too many boxes i think you kind of lose the true sports fan and what they're actually in it for but that's why people start reaching out when we're in this storytelling because you realize you're just you're one of five topics or one of six topics where i now want to explore you know, different sides to my brain and in my thought pattern, the different things that make up my life. And one of those, I th- you said, you know, it's important for brands and people to tell their story, but now more than ever, it's really important for like social awareness for certain just movements to have their story told. Mm-hmm. I think more than ever, we're in a spot where we have to relate more than we have to compete 
right? And we're talking outside of sports, obviously. We're talking big, big, big picture. And I think that right now is what's more uh, interesting to me. And, and you see it, I think, in every form of entertainment, whether it's comedy, trying to bridge certain gaps that that maybe they would have stuck to these hard ideals before, or it's you know drama, or it's mainstream television shows, or it's HBO shows. We're in this spot where telling these bigger stories about movement and and people and culture and just overall togetherness has been you know a huge a huge drive for everyone in the entertainment, I, entertainment I, industry I, I, to- I totally get it I will say this something that makes comedy what it is today and I was at a com- comedy club in New York City over Canadian Thanksgiving weekend which one did you go to uh comedy cellar oh had a boy it, it's, it's great it's amazing. I, I, I've never been before the lack Staple. of political correctness made it funny for me right making people squirm you know what yeah. i mean like that is one area where with everything else is that's going on you can kind of stay true to the craft of comedy and go places where other people won't and that whole shock level in that i mean that's something else for me i worry about sport because now oftentimes a conversation is about everything but the game mm. and athletes have outside um inspiration and purpose outside of the court, the rink, the field, or whatever. But at the same time, they're an athlete first and foremost, and they're out to compete. And I think a lot of people use sport, movies, comedy, television, whatever, to kind of escape the reality of today. So I'm I'm not one of those individuals that will ever say stick to sport, Mm -hmm. but what I would say to people that are producing content is be aware of who your audience is. And I think at the end of the day, in the sports world, you're watching it because you are a sports fan, not an activist, not anything else. And I'm not saying that they should. I'm not saying that they should be like separate from one another. And whether it's player protest, whatever it is, there's a role for it. But at the end of the day, what you care is about what happens in 48 minutes, what happens in 90 minutes, what happens in 60 minutes. That's why you're watching. Do you want? Do you want to comment? Are you comfortable commenting on on? The, the, the various forms of protest in the NFL over the last year? I, I'm fine with all of it. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I just don't like how people have kind of mixed what the message is and created a message of their own brand to suit their own needs. I just I just don't get how that benefits everyone. It's just every we're in a situation here where everyone's trying to control their own agenda or their own story or their own narrative. And now because today we have the chance to consume in so many different ways that you can totally isolate yourself from other perspectives if, if you so, ch- yeah. if, you, if you choose. So everyone's taking it, taking the message behind it and using it for their own selfish gain, which I think is wrong. Just as hum- just general human beings, it's wrong to do it that way. It doesn't bother me. It, to me, it doesn't have anything to do with the game. It's something that they're me just used, people are using their platform in order to raise awareness for some very worthy causes. Right. So I have no problem with it whatsoever. I, uh, neither do I. But it's like we're in an age where the spin is more important than the fact, right? How someone spins the story and, and, and their own personal truth they come that, that, that comes out of it becomes more important than what the actual truth was behind why they did this or why they knelt or why they spoke out or why, you know, any of that. The My question is just, when is a good time to speak your mind? 
Right. You know, and, like, if, if, I'm an, if I'm a coach or if I'm a general manager of a team, yeah, I want my player entirely focused. Who's to say that they aren't focused, you know? Completely. I just, we, we've been around professional athletes enough to know that these individuals cannot eat, breathe, or sleep the sport, you know, 24 hours a day. It's impossible. As long as they're focused, when they show up to the office, when they're on the field, they're ready to go and they're prepared. That's all you can ask for. And that's why they work so hard. So when the whistle, the horn goes, that they're ready to go. If they take a knee before the end, do I care? No. If they celebrate out their goal, lift up their shirt, and they have a political statement on it, that's fine. That's fine. Like, I, I, none of that take, bothers me. No. I uh, Jim Jeffries is is yeah. one, of, one of the comedians I love. And he has the Jim Jeffries show on Comedy Central uh, in the States and, and whatever comedies, whatever the Comedy Network's called. I think it's just Comedy Network. Comedy Network. In, in, in Canada. And it's, I think, Wednesday nights. And it's one of my favorite shows right now to watch. And, and he had this, he had this funny little quip where he's like, you don't want me to speak my mind when I'm in a public setting. So where do you want me to speak it? Exactly. He's like, I come up with a ton of great thoughts on the shitter. No one's going to hear it, yeah. right? You got to kind of use your platform or else it's useless. Yeah. Do we really want the NFL players spending their Monday picketing outside of town hall? No. Take a knee. You're fine. I don't know Relax. what the best, and that's where we are today. What is the best way, not even a political statement, just to speak your mind? Because people are offended. Oh, you're just using 140 words on Twitter or Instagram, like Alexander Ovechkin just came out and he's supporting Vladimir Putin and he does it on Instagram in Russian. Well, is that the right way? Should he come out after a game and say it? Should he make a Facebook post? Like, Should like he create what a is, new account? Now there's like, I, I think that because everything has changed and continues to change so much that the program hasn't been written on how to properly execute X, Y, and Z. We're <laughs> figuring out as we go. And I'm okay with that. And I, I don't know what's the best. Like you and I both have platforms in different ways. What's mm -hmm. the best way to use it? Honestly, my number one rule of thumb all the time is know your audience. And that's what you said before. And just speak to your audience. Do I really use my platform for right. actually? No, maybe I do. I don't know. And, but like, oddly enough, I think even, my Twitter account like or, on, on, on Twitter and Facebook, some people completely overshare every little thing about their life or how they feel about any issue or at any time of the day, it's overkill, man. Like if I cared that much about how you felt about everything, I'd pick up the phone and call you. Like this whole Probably. ideal of personalized interaction has gone by the wayside to positioning yourself as something else. So everyone can have a little taste of you, which is so bizarre to me. I, I, I don't know if that's, if I want everyone to know about everything about me at all times, I just, I feel uncomfortable about I, that. Uh, yeah, actually social media makes me feel uncomfortable. It's odd that I say this because I really got my leg into the sports industry on the media side through social media, but it has always made me feel uncomfortable because I have a best friend and I see that they went to Niagara Falls on the weekend, but they've never told me they went to Niagara Falls. You know mm. what I mean? So next time I see them. Do I say, so how was your trip on the weekend? They're like, what? What? what right? They, we never talked about it before. Usually you wait for them to say, hey, I went to Niagara Falls on the weekend. You go, hey, no way. How'd it go? So that's always been this interesting thing to me. But recently, just within the last week, it came out that, you know, the Russians' influence on the U.S. election was done mainly through propaganda shared through social media channels. Yeah. Right? And it was this, at least these reports coming out, that they just wanted to kind of disrupt the message 
And so they use propaganda, one of the oldest tricks in the book for hundreds and thousands of years. But now because there's so many sources and so much different information coming your way, it is so difficult to tell what's the truth, what's manipulated, like blurred lines all over the place. That's yeah. And another a lot of people have taken the stand that know where your content is coming from. And I told this story before someone I know posted this story about a solar flare that's supposed to happen in November. And the solar flare is caused by whatever fucking gas is getting too close to the sun. Right. It's actually going to produce blue light out of the sun, blah, 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 blah. And they posted that like they, whatever, they shared something that was on Facebook already. All you have to do is take a quick look. You just have to skim the news, go yeah. to the weather network. Some, if someone's going to know, they're going to know. Right. But it's just this little, small, dumb thing that if you take a second, you don't have to create this minor social right. uproar. And, and, that, over and that's why, that's like, bullshit. these established sources, they matter. That's why having, you know, in the media landscape, not even the media, like NASA or any research, yeah. well respected research institute, that's why the information that they put out matters so much. And my concern as there's cutbacks in media, in different sorts of public profiling agencies, as cutbacks come across the board, and less experienced people have positions of power and control, more slides through the cracks, and they start making mistakes. But those letters, there's value that's supposed to come along with them. And if they're not doing a proper service by portraying accurate, the best content, the best information possible, then what are you supposed to believe? I think people are in a really difficult time actually knowing and understanding what the truth is and what is and what they can trust and what they can't. I think the movement towards crowdsourcing information is interesting. You have your... What are the civilian reporters? Right. Right. Things like that, which is very. This was pushed by media. When I worked for Sun Media, this whole idea of what, what they call it, like um, civilian journalists. Civilian journalism. Were, that's that's exactly like what it is. Civilian that. journalism. And, it, and it's kind of crushed their own model because it kind of devalues or citizen journalism. It kind of devalues the whole idea of going out and gathering information and making sure that it's well-researched and this is actually what happens. So the media industry has kind of pooched its own self by kind of pushing that because you don't know. People, people that, that's just one glance, one perspective of a situation through a short clip and doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. And what happened to the expert? Like when... When did the when did people or why have people gotten the state where they can walk into a doctor's office and tell the doctor what they think they have? Right. Does that make sense? Like where we we will take what a, an expert has, sure, but I think I can figure it out myself and know better. Well, I have personal experience with this. I'm going to take this go to the side. Um, I've been if your listeners don't know, uh, I've been on a twelve. 12 years, 12 year battle with a malignant melanoma. And I've learned a whole lot over that period of time. And there's been times where I've had, um, not a conflictual relationship with my doctors, but a difficult one where I would partake in more integrative healthcare, (laughs) naturopathic, uh, diet, different dietary supplement approaches that my traditional doctors and oncologists would kind of roll their eyes at Mm -hmm. and brush off as being, unimportant Mm -hmm. or things that wouldn't work. And because traditional doctors aren't taught, aren't practiced well, well versed in this field that they completely reject it, which is unfair. So a lot of older doctors, 
they know their stuff, but they don't have a complete picture. So that was something that I brought to the table through Interesting. the information that other people provided me and speaking to other types of specialists that gave me a better, more all-encompassing approach approach to like fighting the disease than I would have got by just going to that one doctor. Because originally I would have assumed he's my doctor. If he says the sky's purple, then it's purple. Or if it's green. But now I know to question things because of this other alternative access to information. But you didn't question your diagnosis. No. Right? It's right. not like you went to him who read all Correct. the whatever yes. and say, you know what? I'm pretty sure it's a flu or right. whatever it might be. That's true. Oversimplifying, right? That's true. But whether it's, okay, you're getting you're getting your sports rumor from TSN, Sportsnet, ESPN, CNN, or whether you're going to your doctor and you know, you might want to go see a naturopath, an alternative doctor, a homeopathic, check multiple sources, no matter what now, because think of that one individual has all the answers. It's not the way the world works. And generally like the one thing that's being proven correct in human history is that we don't know everything. Science continues to evolve, to change based upon our knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so I never just trust one individual. You need to get a better picture of the entire landscape. But every, that's what I'm trying but to say. But every group you just mentioned, even someone who, a naturopath, they're an expert in their field. Right. We're, we're not going to, to, to Bob in unit, you know, 112 down the hall and be like, yo, Bob. What do you think? Would you, would you get on but this Bob kale salad might, thing? Bob might know someone, though. But Bob might know someone. Yes. Again, that's the difference between going to a civilian or citizen and finding the expert. Right. Right? Again, no problem talking about it and creating a community and building. But It's I a get- fucked up time. Basically, it's a fucked up time for everyone right now. Completely. Let's, let's be honest. Like, I, don't, I don't think there's been, a, there's been more difficult times to live during war, depression, um, all sorts of, of, of different times over the course of human history. Spanish flu. But, but now it's just, it's fucking confusing. And I think as, as people, we can only keep up with so much. We all have our jobs, personal lives, family, friends, interests, blah, 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 blah. We can't keep up with everything, dude. It's like a full-time job. And so everything just becomes completely muddled. And I think we're all kind of getting through our day in an absolute fog. We're kind of up to speed, kind of distracted, kind of on the ball. But in the end, we're just being. And I don't know how that's working out for any of us. Do you feel exhausted by it all? I'm, I, f- I feel fucking exhausted. What's hard is when there's not the true source of information. Like, it's not like I can, I know I can go to X journal or whatever, and that's going to be the truth. Like, I hate researching or finding things online, period. This goes back to earlier in the conversation. I can't stand it because I find it exhausting that I, I have to look at everything skeptically. Everything that I come across, I have to look at. And I'm like, meh. And people sure? are like, Clay, you're so jaded. Well, sorry. Did, <laughs> I know. Um, I, well, my wife sometimes says, well, why can't you just sit back and enjoy it? But I, I have a critical, I'm like you. I have a critical eye for so many things. We're in a time where the leader of the free world is blurring the line between fact and fiction right. on everything. I know. And this is the person that I'm privileged to live in Canada and I have so much respect for you know our political system and, and the political system of London and all of that, or of England. But the last century has been built off the shoulders of what the United States has decided mm-hmm. and, and, and where they've kind of marched in a direction. And I think that adds to the, how scary everything is 
And the fact that we find the need to be outraged all the time and fight over everything, like Mm. why is everything polarizing? Why do you have to be on the left side or the right side of the line? Sure. Why can't you just talk? And it, it seems like we're bitching a lot. I, get, I, I consider us two laid back, chill guys. We totally are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I, I, I legitimately do. But you're so right. Everyone needs to. It was funny. Like I've, I've tried to like down my Twitter use a little bit, but I was on during the Whitecap soccer game last yeah. night. And someone went online and was... It, and I had to comment on this. He's like, can we stop saying that the Houston Astros are the first Houston team to win a championship since whatever the Houston Rocket, you know, because the Houston WNBA team, they won four titles in a row. So I had to pop up. I'm like, uh, well, I'm offended that you didn't mention the Houston Dynamo, Dynamo exactly. in 2006. And he was like, well, that team won four, not, not two. And I was like, I was kidding. I was kidding because like, I don't care if people say it's the first title. Like, why are we just things that don't matter in the overall scheme of things? By someone saying that they're not trying to offend women or women's sports, they're just saying in terms of the biggest sports, which are traditionally NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and and NBA. Like that's all. It's it's, they're not trying to disrespect anyone else, but everyone just feel. When I say everyone, I'm being a little bit dramatic here. But just there's a group, there's a very distinct group that feels the need to, to be, be offended heard. about everything. I mean, drives me drives me mental. That's why <laughs> I, I'm I'm all for the death of social media. Personally, the death like, of it, the death of social media. I could do without Twitter. Yeah, I totally could. And yeah. I there was a time where it definitely filled a spot where all your news and still you get so much of the news out of it. Like if things breaking and, and developments happening in, in, say, it's a trade, right, in sports, say it's, you know, a, a tragedy, whether it's, you know, a natural disaster that happens or, or um, you know, some of the horrible violence. It's a live breaking news feed. As, as a radio guy, it's such a crutch for so many people on the radio. And when I hear it, I want to punch, like I want to put my fist through the radio and like, according to Twitter or people on Twitter are saying this, who are these people? Right. Can you cite someone that's saying this so we can build an article like, or build a, 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 an argument or a conversation? It's like, uh, just say, hey, Clayton says that the Maple Leafs blue line isn't good enough. Okay, now I can go with it. For the record, I didn't say no, but that. You, I did. no. <laughs> just, an, just like an example. I'm trying to get myself out of hot water here. Or, or Clay says Stranger Things 2 is better than the first season. Ah. Then that's somewhere I can say, instead of like people are saying, like, what do you mean people? people. How many yeah. is this? Is this two, three? Can we be a little bit more Sources specific? say. <laughs> sources say. Sources. I've yes. heard so many sources say. Did you ever watch the newsroom? No, I no, did. No, oh my no. goodness. You I think it fits in with this conversation. Does it? So perfectly. Aaron Sorkin wrote three seasons of yep. the newsroom. I, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, okay. television show of all time. But that is kind of the battle over the three seasons is heart over fluff. Like right. like, like hard hitting uh stories that, that people need to know to be informed and move with their life. Over, you know, where did the Kardashians go for lunch last weekend? And then towards the end of the, uh, the, the series in the second and third season, it was the idea of why are we using Twitter as our source? And it's not like finding actual sources, making sure f- things are facts and not just 
reports and rumors mm-hmm. and and I th- as in a lot I think of what Aaron Sorkin does he has this message that he's trying to write through so he uses these characters as his own voice because he's trying to wage a war on whatever it might be and it was a little bit oddly enough it was a little bit on social media but then he went and did the social network about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook so maybe he flipped <laughs> maybe he came across a new understanding but yeah HBO three seasons newsroom I guarantee I guarantee you're gonna watch the first five minutes of the first episode anyone who's ever seen it right. knows what I'm talking about and the speech at the beginning of the first episode you're like okay I gotta watch at least three or four more episodes right. just to see if this character and this this thought process develops right. just news today is something completely different now it's about okay here's the story and let's get a panel, an NFL-sized panel together and argue about it. So it's not, it's not like, here's the news, it's opinion news. Like, it's, 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 it's something completely different than we've ever experienced before. I don't know if it's better, I don't know if it's worse, it just is. What hurts me the most with those panels is so-and-so Bob on the end is told what side of the story he's going to take. Yeah. And Jim on the other end is told what side of the story he's going to take. So it often, and they're incredibly good at their jobs in the sense that, that, that they let it all unravel in a way that feels very natural and engaging, but it might not even be their actual opinion on it, mm. which is crazy just because we know that conflict creates eyeballs or it draws eyeballs. And that's what bothers me about that. I'm going to have a new segment. Let's, yeah, let's call that's this really, old men sitting on the fence. Oh my God. Yelling at the kids sitting on the running porch. on the Sitting lawns. on the porch. I would yes. love to be porch, an old man. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Old men on a porch. Old men on a porch. You know what really bothers me? My father was one of those guys growing up. And I love my dad. Once he retired, now he's like the most chill, cool dude. But growing up, he was like the angry dad on the block. And we, we would play basketball in my driveway. And the ball would roll on our grass. And then he'd yell at us when we had to go in the grass to get the ball. He was that guy. I know. I know. So my dad, (laughs) which is hilarious. We grew up on young street. So it was, it was kind of, it's old young street. It's kind of a, it's now a bit of a dead end, but we grew up on young street and young street is busy all the time. And so my dad, we had a very long lane and my dad painted a big line at the end of it. And the line's the line we couldn't cross. Very visible. For us all to see, my dad, I think, forgot what it was like to be in school Uh and to ride a school bus that stops in front of your house every single day because it was like eight straight years of kids making fun of us for the line at the end. That was my dad. My dad, bless his heart for being like super worried about us and not wanting us to get run over by a fucking car. But that line followed me into high school. Uh, God damn it. Now when you see lines on the road, like, how are you? Are you, are you, I'm are nervous. You scared? Yeah, I still don't step on cracks. Start shaking. Yeah. I, I start crying, actually. Yes. I'm afraid of getting a whooping. No, we never got whoopings for it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's it was just funny. It was just one of those like very visible things. I haven't heard the term whooping in a long time. Whooping? Yeah. yeah old whooping. men. Old men on a porch. Yeah. yeah. Right here. Okay. We bring okay. back things like whooping. It works. Whippersnapper. Yeah. That's another <laughs> term I haven't heard for a long time. <laughs> We're going to create a, a catalog of old terms that yeah. we believe need to come back. Yeah. You brought it up earlier. Conversations in a different spot. Stranger Things 2, though. 
I'm a massive fan. We started talking about it before we started recording, and I was like, no, 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 no. I want to hear all your thoughts. I want to. I want to hear how you lived it. Did you watch it? Did you binge it? My wife and I binged it two separate nights, so it was like That's a right. half binge, half binge, and we finished it on Halloween. Ooh, I thought perfect. season two is better than season one. Is that wrong? Me too. I I don't know. I was sad. I'll say this. Okay, no spoilers. Okay, we're gonna Done. we're, we're no not gonna spoil. We're yeah. gonna do no spoilers. But the only thing, the only thing that I realized at the end of season two is that I'm like, whoa, these child actors are gonna grow up, and we're never gonna get the the season one kids again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I was so enamored with just their age and and and, and their mannerisms, and their characteristics, and obviously just because the course of time. And the fact they've had to do a shit ton of media, they're more developed just as humans, as actors, as professionals. And I realize I'm never going to get season one back out of the actors. But that, that happens Plot. with like every, like I know say by the bell, like Complete. Zach the Kelly, like screech screech. Like they grew up and it's just not the same. Yeah. yeah you're never going to get them like again. The Goonies, like go back to like any movie oh. television show those child actors, I mean, these will be the roles that define them. Sean Astin, you know, he was great Sean in the Astin, Goonies. Well, we won't spoil it, but he was sensational in Stranger Things too. Completely. I, I will say this, Stranger Things season one, better soundtrack. Oh, the, the music was amazing. I thought the way that it was shot, season one kind of rolled slower. There was there was a couple episodes and a couple moments in season two where I was like, that wasn't completely necessary, but I think they balanced between moving the story forward and taking time to develop very well. I and overall, it was just darker, which I, I liked. It, I think, it, me too. I think it'd be interesting to now watch them all in succession. And it's probably something I'm going to dedicate a weekend to, but watch season one and season two all in kind of do that. Oh, I could do it. I can't go back once I've seen it once. I'm like, I'm done. I'm one of those weird characters where I like the mood uh, a movie or a TV show puts me in. So Mm -hmm. I've seen some of my favorite movies I've seen over a hundred times. I just, I'll keep watching it just because I like to be back in that space again, but I want to watch season one and season two because I feel the, the ups and the downs and the trade-off between action and story becomes very natural and all makes sense when you watch it all together, right? right? Because you go off a high from season one and then you got to move the story forward. That's what you have to do. It's, it's, it's a year later. You got to move the story forward. But yeah, uh, I, I think anyone... Well, everyone's watched it. Let's. Who am I kidding? Who am I honestly I kidding? Everyone's watched season two. It's a busy two time already. of year. Busy time of year. Halloween. I I listened to a podcast. See, people with actual responsibilities, aka children, they oh, haven't yeah. watched it. That's true. Or maybe haven't watched it. But like they guys only get like one us, episode a who night. Don't do mornings. No. <laughs> yeah, like we're the kind of people that have already watched it. I, I started. I think actually I was I was exhausted. It had been a really long stretch. And I went home at like 8.30 at night and I jumped into bed. I'm like, that's it. I'm calling in an early night. I just, I need to catch up on sleep. And that was the Friday night. The Strangest Things was released. And I was like, well, I could screw it. I could probably watch one episode. I just want to see where they're going with this. Right. And then that last. I'll also say five. this. There was a certain level of cheese involved. Like there was some cheesy parts, but the cheese works in that. Ser- like in certain series, it doesn't work. You're like, oh, come on. But in this one, you kind of embraced it, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I thought it was really, really well done. Like, there's certain series which have stood out to me over the last little bit more than others. I love those arc. 
I like. I still have to watch I, it. But 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 I might be a little bit biased because I know some people didn't love it. Jason Bateman is my boy. Arrested Development is arguably the greatest you comedy know, series comedy series of all time. And that was before it went to Netflix. That's when it was like was Fox right, for first three seasons it was on Fox. I don't know. I, don't I like know when I was going the through some three dark seasons. days, like with my with one of my earlier cancer diagnosis, that got me through so many shit times. But Jason Bateman, I'm just a huge fan. I love those arc. I love the first season of Narcos. It was it was amazing. Uh, I'm struggling getting through the second season to tell you the truth. But there's certain series now which just jump off the page. And Stranger Things is definitely one yeah. of them. Is it neat the way that storytelling's kind of taking a turn towards yeah. television where television... What was, was the last movie you watched? Are you, You're a movie guy. I'm a big time movie guy. So, uh, okay. What's the last new movie I've watched yes. or movie period? New movie. Oh, I don't even know. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. Haven't seen it yet. I can't tell you the last time I went to a movie theater. Isn't that weird? It is kind of weird. It's Netflix. I work for a company that provides cable, but I understand why people are cutting the cable. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah. Because one, all the best shows are on Netflix. And two, everything else I feel like I watch is on PVR. Unless it's a live sporting event. That's the one exception to the rule. So when it comes to like tuning in, sitting down at... 9 p.m. TGIF growing up on yeah. a Friday night with Family Matters, Full House, <laughs> Step by Step. Like it was like bust, like Friday night. I'd be in front of the television as a kid because I wouldn't want to watch it. Now it doesn't really matter. No. And it's been a complete game changer. Binge watching is interesting because in some ways I love it because I want a 10 hour movie of whatever I want to watch. But in some ways, I think it's kind of screwing us in the, in the sense like Stranger Things. Amazing. I was so excited to get into it. Now it's done. Now I have to wait. Literally, there was something came out where it said they were working on it up until two weeks before the release, which is actually, believe it or not, very common for any big budget movies is that it'll they'll go right to the line with it, right to the the final hour. So up until two weeks before they were still working on finishing up season two, it gets released we fucking like assholes watch it in a day that, that, that took them a year and a half to do and they haven't even cr- truly cracked the story of season three but yet. there's always something else to watch, There is, man. it's true. That's the thing, like HBO, Game of Thrones, I wish I could watch that all in one fell swoop. <laughs> like I I wish. I, I, I honestly, if I had that ability to do that, shows that come out every week, I don't mind it. There's one... Our guilty pleasure right now, my wife and I, do you, do you watch Jordy Shore? I've it heard of I ha- Okay. Jordy Shore, I'll put it on my list. I promise I'll put it on my list. It's the Northern you. England version of Jersey Shore. And it is, it's such a train wreck. Newcastle? You cannot turn. Is yeah. that where it is? Oh, yeah. In Newcastle? You cannot turn away. They're more, <laughs> there's more drinking, more, ex- more foul language, more nudity, everything more than the Jersey Shore kids. And they're all way more likable as well. Oh, thank you. Jordy Shore, check it out. I will. I think it's MTV uh, Tuesday nights. It, it's incredible. Jordy Shore. I'm, no, I'm really, in, no, I'll check it out. Actually, this is the truth. I've got a soft spot for that Newcastle, like half English, half Scottish uh, or Scott or Irish accent. Scottish, I guess it's, it's like, half Scottish. It's, 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 it's more like half English, half Scottish. Half Scottish. Yeah. I have such a soft spot for that. Uh, Ashley, not Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole's ex-wife. Oh, she was on U- X Factor UK. Dang it. I'm going to remember it after this is done. 
Um, Savini was her, I believe her maiden name. Anyway, okay. she's from Newcastle. I watched X Factor UK just to hear her talk. Right. Like just in. Well, the Canadian women's national team uh, soccer, John Herdman, he's from Newcastle. Oh, is he really? And I asked him before if he watches Jordy Shore and he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't fully admit it, but I know that he does. <laughs> he shot you the I look. I know that he does. The thing that doesn't yes. always translate over radio is the look someone shoots you. Yes. That knows I know, that says I know exactly what you're talking about. It is amazing. So there's something to be said about trash t- TV and there, there are shows that you can't binge, like, um, like I love how Curb Your Enthusiasm comes out once a week. I look forward to that. So there's certain series that, you know, like, like these Netflix marathons that are actually suited to binge watching. But there's other series where there isn't that attachment, those one leads right into the other that you can just kind of pick up and watch it from wherever it ends up and yeah. you're fine. Periodicals. Yes. Epis- periodicals? Episodic. Episodes. There's a name for it. I should know this. How do I not know this? Way to go, there's a Mike. there's a name. Someone's gonna shit on me on the internet. That's what the internet's great for, actually. It's like, how do you not know this stupid? Yeah. I thought you said you worked in this for fifteen what years. What you say is like, I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Procedurals. Procedurals. There's yeah. the word. I know I come to it. So you're Law and Orders. I watched Law and Order yeah. last night as yeah. I was doing work on my couch. Never been a Law and Order guy. No. No. No SVU. No. No cold case. None of it. No. I don't know any of the other ones. There's more. <laughs> There's no who it, our mutual friend Heather Heather yeah. Pineart currently on Matt leave. Oh, I miss her. Great producer yeah. with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. Her and I connected over the whole Law and Order, Law and Order. Uh, Special Victims Unit, okay. and especially when we we're on on the road in the states, uh, USA TV or whatever it's called, the, the USA, USA channel. channel. It. I'm pretty sure they could rename it the Law and Order, the Dick Wolf Channel. Because Law and Order, any time of day, is always on. And we text each... We've all seen all... Like, we've seen all the episodes, but we're still texting each other back and forth, you know, on game day, as we're just sitting in our hotel trying it's to like buy the time. A&E and AMC, it is so predictable what they show. Those channels, like, old school movies, and it's like the same cycle of movies and the same Law and Order shows. There you go. I like the cycle of movies, though. So we're sitting in my office right now, and if you we look over, my television is leaned up against the couch. It's like sitting on the couch that I can't use because it hasn't yet. I haven't had someone through to put everything up yet, but it sits on those old AMC or whatever, and I'll watch Armageddon over and over again. And, and Jaws. And Jaws. Like I love Jaws. And Godfather. And then Rudy will come on. Oh, That's, you you said, sorry, your you, you're referen- the twinkle in my eye. You're referencing old movies. Check out my Twitter. Because Stranger Things uh, season two, I swear Duffer Brothers and I, so the, the writers, directors, the Duffer Brothers, they're twins. They are two months almost to the day older than me. Really? So our refer- like our, our take on the world and all of our references through the 80s and 90s came in the exact same part of our development as humans. I post pictures, so I don't give anything away. There's no spoilers. But I go through a series of photos that are frames from very famous movies or or somewhat famous movies through the 80s and 90s. And I've gone through this now with enough people that I want you, Gareth. I want you to go through it and you can come back to me and let me know how close I am. Okay. Just just different movies that at one point in the series, I believe they reference. It's all done in chronological order from episode one through episode 
nine because well i did it while i was watching it but that's that's my homework for everybody check out check out my twitter a lot of work (laughs) that's my homework for everyone check out my twitter you can't call please you can't call it homework because no one will do it no one's gonna do it come up with something else i think though i want them to prove i want i if i'm wrong I think I'm right, though. I think all of our references are the same. Okay. And you get like a, I don't even want to give it away. Tremors. Do you ever see Tremors? Uh, way back in oh, the day. I have very so little good. memory of Tremors. So I had to explain to someone what Tremors was the other day. And I just, I was like, you got a Graboids? No, you got to totally watch Tremors. I think there's a solid Jurassic Park reference in there. Really? Yeah. I think there's some really solid references. And since you've seen it, Gareth, you got to watch it. You got to report back. Okay. And let me know because this is clearly something I'm proud of. I need a blog because this would be way easier on a blog. It, it would be easier to explain on a blog than on a pod. Than on a hundred percent because you can match the visuals. I need to see it. You need to see it. But I want I, uh, this is what I want you to do. Yeah, okay. This is I, I, I just because I I value your take. Next week there's no TFC game. I'll have some time. There's no. You can you can go. Search through the tweets. I'm seeing Arcade Fire sphere. tonight. I'm so jealous. So there's a story behind your Arcade Fire tickets. I know. Because you posted on the Facebook that who wants to buy them at face value. I was like, done. Yeah. I'm in. You're like, DM me. I totally DM'd you. Yeah. And then what did you do? I gave them to my sister. Dickhead. <laughs> Fuck. I wanted to see Arcade Fire. She yeah. got back to me first. You know fairness. what I'm not doing tonight? Dude, StubHub tickets are cheap. Go on. You, I should. You, you be able to get whatever I mean, ticket you want. What section are you in? Can I come sit with you? Uh, I'll buy you a beer. Uh, yeah, uh, you're, I just, I don't know what I, I'm, I'm like first row of the 300 level, but this is, this is why I'm pissed because as a member of the fan club, cause I'm a fan and I always go see every, I, I saw them at um, way home two years well, last summer. You have early access. And the early access gave you only access to basically 300 level. If it was, if they get 100 level of the floors, like I missed it and I was on right away. And so I went on and I bought a couple pairs just so I had them. And then they announced like the next day that they were having a second show on the Saturday night. So it was a complete surplus of tickets. Then they opened up tickets to the 100 level and you floors already and already had tickets. And now there's tickets going for cheap across the board and there's still tickets available. Two old so there was the no advantage to being a fan club member. Right? So I feel like I got screwed. Back in my day, there was loyalty. And but Arcade Fire is a band that kind of acknowledges shit like this. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're 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 really aware of that. But I think it's Ticketmaster fucking with me again. Yeah. The Ticketmaster man does that. The, like the, the, blame the man. Oh. What happened to the Montreal music scene? That's my question. Arcade what Fire. Do you mean? Just they, in the sense busted? that it, it's kind of everything was coming out of Montreal. I think of Arcade Fire and they it's mm-hmm. like they all the attention turned from the Toronto music scene, which kind of ended with Emily Haynes and Metric, and they were they were kind of the broken back social end. scene. By the way, is opening up for Arcade Fire tonight. Whoo! Yeah, solid, eh? But then, kind of, it went from that Canadian indie scene, which was kind of bubbling for a time. Then everything for a while just seemed to come out of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Everything good or cool, but it's cyclical, right? Like. Yeah. My my favorite music was like the Manchester scene, Manchester mid late eighties, like that early nineties. That's my favorite genre of music of all time. So I don't. These things come comes in coming. You're in a ways, city fan, aren't you? Flows. No, no, hell no. Manchester United, United. So, watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that was soap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me a yeah. Liber- <laughs> call me a Liverpool supporter next. No, no. Hey, what's wrong huge, with Liverpool? Huge United. You're getting club forever. Well, just don't win anything. So <laughs> don't worry, they're not planning on it yeah um now i feel more so 
Like it was really, it was a lot easier to consume anything that was cool and happening even a decade ago. I found that I, I was discovering all kinds of like cool hip bands. Now there's so many. It goes back to the, the number of different platforms and channels and bands that are using that. It's too hard to keep up, man. I honestly need like Clay, you to come up. Like I, everyone has that one friend that knows more about music than you. Mm-hmm. My buddy Luch. Luch is my gateway to like anything new that's happening. Like I can discover some things. But Luch is my pipeline. So I need more people to come to me and say, hey, check out this band. Because there's too much. There's too much going on. I've got a friend you need to meet. Do I? Got a new friend. I think you'd totally dig it. Made a new friend. Incredible producer. Erin McCarthy's her name. She is my... Gateway drug. She's my gateway into new music. That it was just like, we were talking. I wasn't even talking. I was like, yo, I said to someone else, have you heard this song? Uh, it's by Run the Jewels. Yeah, and then she knew as I started playing who it was. I was like, "Whoa, you don't Run the Jewels?" She's like, "Yeah, Killer Mike." Yeah, yeah, of course. Right, and then and she's like, "Oh, but have you checked out this? And have you checked out?" And then she's been feeding me. Like she went to go see Bad Bad Not Good. Yeah, yeah. Who was in uh, Toronto recently? Yeah. Fed me their music. I'm like, okay. Everyone needs a friend like that, dude. Everyone needs a everyone friend that helps ne- them. Now, here's my thing. November 21st, I have tickets to Cut Copy. Cut Copy's always an incredible show. If you don't know Cut Copy, check them out. DJs, but like an incredible live performance. They're playing here in Toronto. I have tickets November 21st. TFC's next away match. So I'll have to get rid of my Cut Copy ticket. Or you're going to have to okay. make a very tough it's, call. It's, no, it's not even tough. It's, <laughs> it's not negotiable. It's just disappointing that Cut Copy's playing that night. What are the odds? I know. Seriously. I know. I've... But there's been shows over the years where I think there's a certain level of pride where you're like, I'm here with like a hundred people and no one knows how fucking good this band is. And they're going to blow up down the road and they're going to be playing for thousands. And I was there amongst like 50 people. Like I once saw, who was it? It was Yaysayer and it was, um, oh God. If you don't know Yaysayer, Yaysayer is just unreal as well yes there and um oh my god I, I don't know why i'm blanking out here it'll come i can't help you you're looking at me i'm not your lifeline don't dial me it if was you're something like in front of like 50 people of oh. like how do people know about these bands and then they completely blew up after that it's i think just, my two experiences with that one and it was because of someone i was dating lana del rey Yep. Uh, who is out, I think, of California, but I was dating someone in the music industry who represented is she her. Cali? Is she Cali? I think she's Cali. She was in the A&R department. Right. And so it's, you kind of end up giving artists their first crack, their first real uh, contract, which generally... MGMT, is sorry. MGMT. There we go. <laughs> Cell phone, Twitter age. I know. Google strikes again. I know. Incredible. But Lana Del Rey was one that I saw in front of very few people. And then the other one was uh, when Dallas Green broke off and did City in Color. Yeah, nice. I went to a little, I was a big Alexis on Fire fan. It totally fit me and who I was in my late teens and early 20s. And then he was playing a solo show in, in a little pub in Guelph. And there was like 120 people there. And uh, that's when you really, I, I, at least I really realized, I'd seen Alexis on Fire several times. But you realize the pipes that that guy has, and then and, and then the other side to him that's not so angsty and teenage tattooed. Kid He's a good guy. He actually looks a whole lot like my buddy Griff, who's a bartender at Underground. <laughs> Griff. Yeah, and they're both from like St. Catharines. Both like similar dark glasses, tats. Maybe it's maybe Ginger-ish maybe he's Edwin. It's like Edwin at tattoo. Uh, no, Edwin. It's, well, it's actually Dallas Green. 
he's just doubling as Griff so right. that he can well, just connect I to the people. I thought that Griff's a little bit taller, but yeah. yeah. Dallas is a huge hoops fan too. So I was, I was shooting a Raptors playoff game a couple of years ago. And without even realizing I had, I was on when you're like the second or third shooter, you're basically on crowd reaction. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's your job. And I'm completely fine with that. I was going through my footage afterwards and I realized it was Dallas green. One of the per- people I was zeroing in on really, yeah, for a reaction. And he jumps up and he's cheering and he sits back down. And in the moment you're not, you're not really connecting. You're checking to make sure shit's in focus. Yeah. Your exposure's right. You know, it kind of all makes sense. But I looked at the footage afterwards. It was Dallas Green. Cool. Crazy, right? Cool. There's, I think there would be more people uh, at, whether it's TFC, Leafs, Raps games that are very well known that you just don't know because they're in a crowd of many. Which is awesome. And a lot of just keep low profiles. Like, if I feel like around the city of Toronto, like on a regular basis, I'm like, was that so-and-so? And it might be. Do you think Toronto is a good city for that? Where, where there's city. there's not you can you can you can be anonymous to a certain blend in. in the city yeah yeah and, and New York's and, the same thing New York is yeah, so big is like my God everything's kind of like a blur I was uh, Zachary Quinto actually the actor I was last time I was in New York uh-huh. in in the well last time I went to New York not for work I'm sure was in uh, March mm-hmm. and I was kind of I was there and I was walking through Times Square. And I ran right into, like, literally bumped shoulders with Zachary Quinto, uh, who I, don't, I was a huge Heroes fan, so I kind of lost my mind. I didn't bother him or anything, but huge Heroes yes. fan, huge uh, Star Trek fan, obviously. Uh, and I was pretty, I was pretty blown away. Can I, I want to go back to Stranger Things really quickly. Please. I thought it, one of the reasons why, I don't know if it means I liked it. The one thing that I found cool is that the one family, their name's Wheeler. Nancy Wheeler and oh. Michael Wheeler. like And Gareth Wheeler. No, but like in movies, typically, has there been like any Hanslers? No, never. There's never a, there's <laughs> never a Wheeler. Wheeler. There's never a Wheeler. So like that was really weird for me. So here's my weird and like thing. In, How old were you in 1985? Sorry, just one more in, in season one, like up on the board of the movie theater, it said Nancy Wheeler's a slut. And so they're, they're erasing it. And they're putting, they erased the name Nancy, so it just said Wheeler is a slut. And did all your friends then <laughs> send it to you? I, I, said, I, said it, I said it to my whole family. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So how old were you in 1985? Five. So you can't quite be Mike. No. You can't quite. Mike is probably like nine. Right. Damn. I thought here I thought they had nailed the story of Gareth, his friends, and his family. That's a weird looking you have kid, a sister. Eh? I do have a Mike younger sister. Mike has a sister. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it might be. He's a Mike's a weird looking kid. Is that what you're saying? Mike is a weird looking dude, but he's a ladies man. Him, of and, him and Eleven, so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're cute. I like that. What, what, what what's your take on people naming their kids after numbers? Not a fan. Not a fan. I'm, I'm pretty. Um, I don't like numbers. I don't like colors. I don't <laughs> like fruit. I I went to public school with a girl, and she was so proud to tell people that. Her name was three colors, like her first name, middle name, and last name were all a color. Yeah. I was like, okay. That's pat her on the head right. and give her a biscuit. Good work. Congrats. She didn't even do anything. Yeah, it was, really didn't have anything to do with her. But yeah. I, I think we're, we're, at, we're back to a point in the evolution of names where instead of all these new school names like Dakota or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like people are going to go back to like the traditional names. It's all cyclical. I, I like that. 
I think everything's cyclical because we're just trying to do what our parents didn't do right. in everything. I think everything goes back to our parents and it's like, our parents were too strict, so I'm going to be totally free with everything. And then you have another kid who grows up and like, my parents got drunk every night and they're shitty. And so I'm going to be really strict and right. it kind of, it's a pendulum that keeps swinging back and forth. Do you think that people like, you should have a placeholder name that your parents give you and then once you grow old enough, you should Ooh, be allowed to, to change, change your it? name and you can be whatever you want. It's, I don't know because... I'm a Gareth, but I'm a Gareth not by choice. Yeah, you're it's kinda it. just I was given that name. I wonder how different keep, my life would be if I wasn't Gareth. You have to keep Wheeler because it's a family name. Yes. People who I've met, I have a lot of friends who were born in other places. And because of, you know, just language barrier not barriers, but just differences in how it sounds in one language versus another, they came to Canada and were able to choose a new name. I want that opportunity. Would you change your name? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I always kind of, uh, here's an embarrassing story. So I went through this phase where I wanted to be like Clayton, Michael, Knight, Hansler. <laughs> because I thought it sounded really cool. And, and you know, I can't come up with my own cool name. I got to steal David Hasselhoff's name from Knight Rider. But I wanted Clayton, Michael, Knight, Hansler. But that was the closest I've ever gotten to wanting to change my name. Clayton Everett Hansler. I don't know. I have, I you know, pretty original names and I'm okay. I'm okay with it. And it's old English as well. I appreciate my name more now than I used to because as a kid, Gareth, it's not the easiest name. My middle name is Llewellyn. It's my really? mother's maiden name. L-L-E-W-E-L-L-I is Welsh. But when you told kids what your middle name was, people would be like, your middle name's Ellen. That's a girl's name. So like different as a kid growing up. But now I appreciate it. On my mother's side, they didn't have any boys, so they yeah. wanted to pass on the name. I think that's cool. But my wife and I don't have any children. But if we have that, I think there's a lot of pressure in naming your your kid. There's names I like, but would it be best for that kid? I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a lot of pressure, it man. It's hard enough raising a kid, naming it too. So oddly enough, I picked, if I had a girl for, I don't know how, I think it was from a book or something, at 18... <laughs> At 18, I was like, I know what I want to name my daughter. If I have a daughter, I know what I want to name her. I'm not giving it away because I've had someone steal the fucking name already. I'll tell you off microphone okay. later. But I, oddly enough, it's totally not something. I like, think I my dad wanted to name myself. If I was a wedding. girl or my, yeah, I think if I was a girl, he wanted to name me after a stripper. I think her name was Morgan <laughs> Meredith, I believe. Yeah. That's a good story. I was almost an Alexander. No, and like, then like it was clay. like, you're clay. I'm cl thank you very much. It was a shotgun decision. They're like, no, he is now. It's like, I come flying out of the womb and it's like, he's a Clayton. Yeah. And I guess it was a shotgun, but I was Alexander. Name I my think, kid for a long TBD time. to be determined. <laughs> and then you name it. By the way, can I give you a shout out? Not many sure. people do this after a team loses in a big game. Generally people don't wear their gear, but you're wearing an LA Dodgers hat today. I wanted to show some love. I did. Was that calculated? Yeah, it was 100% calculated. I, I have a Good very large hat collection, and I think it's very easy for someone to be like, oh, fuck those guys, like whatever, yeah. losers, or jump on bandwagons. No, I love this hat. I'm out of the LA scene. I'm a Dodgers fan, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say out of all of MLB. I'm a Jays fan first, right? But 100% support the Dodgers. Good support you. support the me. Dodgers all year. They lose. Huh, I can still support the Dodgers. You, Manchester United lost to Huddersfield a couple weeks ago. I was geared up in their jersey, had a sweater on. And then after the game, my wife and I were going out just to walk the dog. And I took off my gear. I was like, 
<laughs> I was so angry. I was so pissed off. So you're, you're disenfranchised. Just just for the time being, just for that day. And I was in a bad mood for about 90 minutes, about the exact same time as the game's played. Then I was done. Then you know, it's funny. On. They say it takes you as much time to get over a relationship as you're as, in it. As the time you've been in it. Apparently, it takes you as much time to get over a game as you're in it. That's how I approached it. 90 minutes to 90 minutes. Then I was fine. But for 90 minutes, I was horrible. It's a horrible human being. Gareth. Yeah. I'm really worried about your parking right now. We've hit our hour. <laughs> oh, we've been yeah, flying. Well Last thing, we've, we've covered the map. Like, we went from our opinions on news and how it's shared to how the, the public receives it yes. and shares it again. Then we went into our favorite TV shows. We went into sports. I may or may not have gotten your favorite football team right or wrong. Well, now that you know. Now you know. I do. Come on. How long have we known each other? But if there's parting words of wisdom, because I pride myself in bringing a lot of the friends that I have in the media industry mm-hmm. on the podcast that I think I look up to you. I, I've looked oh, up to you for 100%. 100%. As a writer before, before we ever mm. hit radio. But I want to be able to impart some knowledge on the youngins. If you have some parting words of wisdom, maybe something that just stuck with you that someone told you when when you're in school still or when you're in one of your first jobs that are never, ever pretty, what have you kind of taken with you that you keep going back to? Wow. About the industry? Sure. Or Or just that helps you you move on, helps you put one foot in front of another. I think that... um, And you have perspective on life that I I don't feel I have. Well, no. I think it's just different. I think just all of us, just based upon our experiences, come at things a different way. Um, I think that the one thing that um, where I'm at now, just because of all the health problems and, and continue to undergo cancer treatment, which is it's it's emotionally, it's physically, it's mentally exhausting. And when it comes to work in this industry, I just try to uh, approach things where I'm not sweating things that I can't control, whether it's like health or decisions that are made around me you try to control you try to position yourself whether it's to be as healthy as you can whether it's to be in a a spot to take advantage of any situation but there's always going to be a certain number of things that you that you can't control but that shouldn't you know um dissuade anyone or be a detriment you should use that to your advantage in order to continue to press on and inspire you to do better, to do more, to do different. And I think that as long as you keep that in mind as you go forward, you'll inevitably find success no matter what it is. I have a really hard time standing still no matter what, especially when it, when it, when it pertains to my health. So I like to just keep on moving and keep on finding different ways to motivate myself. It's very easy to be frustrated um, in anything that you do. But as long as you can kind of find, and I know it sounds like altruistic and whatever, but find like the silver lining, find things that you're passionate about and find things that you believe that you're doing the right thing in order to progress, then I think that you'll, you'll end up finding success no matter, no matter what you do. And what I love, I've always loved about you. And, and I learned, I think it, it must've been a couple years into having known you, uh, what you've battled and what you've gone through health wise. But I love your approach when you're around me, when you're around our colleagues, Mm -hmm. when you're around other friends. You are always incredibly positive 
regardless. I hope so, because sometimes I don't feel oh, like it. dude, you are, when you walk in, you bring energy to the room with you, and you bring me up. And that's what I said, like, in the ways that I look up to you, 100%, it's the ability to approach everything, like, just with positivity and energy and and. And the ability to lift everyone up around you. It's its incredible. I love it. And, and I want to give you props for it. Because, Thanks, because I love that about you. You're a great friend. And it blows me away because I can't keep my energy up about most things. Yeah, it, it, I have a long day and my energy goes through the shitter. It's reassuring hearing that because I think we're very similar this way. Is that... Um, you're a perfectionist in what you do. You hold yourself to an extremely high standard. And the frustrating thing throughout a lot of this is I feel like I always have more to give and I feel like I'm not doing the best to my ability, but there's things that I can't control. So I try not to worry about it, but I do. And because I want to make sure that no matter what I do, I'm doing justice to those who believe in me, people that consume the content and whatever. So the one thing that I can guarantee anyone that I'm going to bring is a hundred percent passion. It's not fake. It's from a real place. And as long as people understand that what I'm doing is, is coming from a place of authenticity, then I think there's a realness and a relatability about it that no matter if I'm having a shit day, I'm stumbling over my work or whatever that will shine through that. I give a shit more so than anything else. Then I think that at the end of the day, that's, kind of what people relate to and care about the most i think that's what that's what brings them in like it's we we can't identify it but we just see it and we feel it when we see it right, right? you just you get yeah. hooked into that person. so many times I could, i'd be like oh i wish i said that this way or i wish i talked about this instead yeah. of that but at the end of the day if i can say you know what i sold the shit out of it because it cared because it mattered then i can kind of move on and sleep well at night so I want to, you talked about delivering the message and creating content. You got tons of exciting things. You have all the Toronto FC coverage, yep. right? On torontofc.ca. Yep. TSN Radio. Where can they find you on TSN Radio? Uh, Raptors, pregame, halftime, postgame, hosting evenings as well. TFC coverage there. Raptors 905 season starting. Uh, back on color commentary there. Hoping for a long TFC run, which there won't really be a stop this offseason. Do my speaking on the side. I'm a busy man, Clay. And you were on the Hangout. Was it last week? Hangout? Two weeks, NBA TV Canada. Come on your Reds podcast. Come on your Reds podcast. Stringer podcast. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Keep it dialed in. You can find Gareth. It's basically like me trying to find Law and Order. I can find you anywhere, anytime of the day. I I like how City TV used to be. Everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, everyone, please be good to yourself and eat your vegetables. (laughs) 